Hey there, welcome to another edition of The Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. We're going to be talking about the possibilities of opening your own business today. John McLaughlin's going to be here to discuss that, and we'll do it right after this. I'm Rodney Mathers, and you're on The Journey of Hope. Love to hear from you. Mathers Rodney at yahoo.com, M-A-T-H-E-R-S-R-O-D-N-E-Y at yahoo.com. and welcome back. My guest today is John McLaughlin. John has got a book called Lifeline to a Soul, and it chronicles the years that he spent teaching in a prison. And I think you were teaching entrepreneurship. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Ronnie. Thank, thank you for having me on today. But that's, yep, I spent almost three years in a minimum security prison in North Carolina teaching entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, Tell us a little bit about background. We we like to know where people are coming from on, on the podcast here. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm the least likely guy who would be, we call it an entrepreneur or would want to start a business. I'm kind of a risk-averse person. But the situation came about where my dad was starting a business right as I was getting out of college. And uh, the opportunity was great because he'd been in this industry all his life. And it was like 1987. And I said, look, I, I, this is risky because we could lose everything, you know, if you go out of business. I'll give you two years, and then that's it. I'm going to do something safer. And here it is, 2023. I'm doing the exact same thing I was in 1987. So what what I learned along the way was what he had learned, um, that working for yourself is is really the low-risk option. Putting your fate in someone else's hands is is the risk. (laughs) So I learned to, you know, start your own thing because you can pivot. You can make changes when you need to. Uh, And the business struggled. You know, they all do when they start. We had some real down parts had two or three times that I was going to quit because um, I just didn't think we were going to make it. But I always stuck it out, and um, we got to a pretty good point, and I decided, well, I want to uh, teach what I've learned over 20 years. So I've set out to become a teacher, and I thought, well, this will be easy. I got an MBA. Community colleges will be fighting over me with my work experience. Couldn't get a job anywhere. It took me years and years, and I, I went back and got more degrees, and I thought, well, that'll help. Nothing. And then one day I saw a application to teach entrepreneurship in a minimum security prison. Probably the last place I want to go teach, but uh, I, I applied for it. They interviewed me and offered me the job, and I knew that I couldn't turn it down. You know, that if I turned the job down, that would probably be my only shot at ever teaching. So, you know, my first experience walking through the prison, I'm thinking, these guys are scary looking. This is a rough looking place. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to do it anyway because, like I say, my only chance. And I go in with all the preconceived notions as to what I think prison is, and right away, I, you know, within a few classes, I learned that it's nothing like I think it is, that there's some people in here with some tremendous potential who had a bad role model or had a bad night or, you know, had a bad experience or got in with the wrong crowd or did something when they were young. And I learned that the system, once you're in it, is very, very difficult to get out of. Um, so I became kind of an advocate for that. Um, where 
we're today teaching people who are in halfway houses or recently released, trying to give them some money management skills and also trying to convince them to start their own business because it's a good thing to do. If you have a felony on your record, you can start your own business and your background becomes a lot less relevant than it is if you're filling out applications to work for someone else. Okay, well, let's, let me stop you right there because I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. Um, sure. What about financing? I mean, are people with felony records as able to get the kind of startup money they need to start a business? It's very difficult, but it's really very difficult for people without felony records, to be completely frank. Um, you know, we started with nothing, uh, bootstrapped it all the way up. Um, I remember we had to loan, we needed $5,000 to get a van early on. And the only way the bank would loan us $5,000 is if we gave them a $5,000 CD that they could hold. I mean, when you're starting out, it's very, very difficult to get financing. So what we advocate is start small, you know, start with something that doesn't cost a lot of money to get into, like, uh, you know, lawn care or cleaning services or anything like that. It is mostly a service business. Um, and the other thing was a lot of these guys were getting out of prison with work release money, you know, sometimes 10, 20,000. So they had some startup money, but I think you're better off to start off with very little financing because it takes a while to figure out how this is going to work and how it can be profitable. And, you know, you, you maybe don't quit the, the day job right away. Um, hang in there until you get a value proposition to enough people that you can sustain the business and then move forward. So we would try to do it with very little or no financing. And, and really that, I think, is either way, whether you have a felony or not. Um, it's very difficult for a startup because they look at it as a very high risk proposition. You know, so you you would say you uh, John you would say that the you know a service industry type job would be the way to go. I think so, at least for starters. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the thing about cleaning is you can't import it from China, and everything needs to be cleaned, whether it be houses, cars, boats. You know, I always try to say do something that's a little different than everybody else is doing, mm -hmm. or you know, everybody's got lawn care. You can go out and you can go work for a landscaper for a year or two and then learn how he does it, find something that his customers want that he's not providing, and then go out and start your own business. Because now you've got a little experience, uh, you've got some potential customers, you know, and, and you're not just starting out cold. Um, but yeah, service business, absolutely. Very low overhead um, and start with one customer and, and build from there. Um, it's, it's really the the, the two things I think in, in starting and being successful in a business is taking great care of your customer and keeping your overhead low is the key to survival. Because if you get your overhead too high too soon, uh, it, it, the costs are going to eat you up and take away your profits you know, before you're able to get you, uh, settled into what it is you decide you want to do or to what really the market dictates you should do. Mm -hmm. You uh, talk in your book. I assume about these important skills and principles. I think you may have just gone over some of them, but what are in your book? What are the three important skills that are important to be successful at that? And what are the important principles? It's a great question. And um, when I was when I what I found out was when I took the job for the class, I said, "Well, what do you guys have for me to work with from other classes?" And they said, uh, "Nothing. You don't have any material I could use. We got nothing." You're going to have to create this all yourself, which I thought was going to be just a monumental task, and it really was. But also, it gave me the complete freedom to build it any way I wanted, which being coming from a work-for-yourself background really appealed to me. So um, I developed a logo, and it's a triangle. And there's a, 
something that I think you have to be very good at at each point. So my top, number one with a bullet, is sales. You have to be able to sell because if you can't convince me to buy from you, you're not. You're gonna have a very difficult time getting customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the other. That's point, where a lot of the. I'm, I'm sorry, John. That's where a lot of no. the hard work comes in, isn't it? In in the actual selling of the product, even more so. Say, if you're cleaning gutters, for example, you got to find people that want that done, and that's hard to do, isn't it? It's it's very difficult. It's the hardest part of the process, I right. think, is convincing people that you know I can do this for you and I can create value in your life if you're not getting somewhere else. Because, you know, it's hard to change people's buying habits, especially if you're an unknown. Um, but if you can't do it and you're just not good with talking to people or it makes you uncomfortable, you can always bring a partner in who can sell. You know, if your specialty is providing the service, well, that's okay. Um, you know, know what you need help with and bring somebody in as a, as a minority owner or something like that who's able to take that part of the role because you got to have it. If you can't sell, you can have the best service in the world, but if you can't convince people that it's the best, it doesn't really um, you you won't get enough customers to survive, uh, more than likely. Okay, so we've got uh, sales and sales for sure. Uh, number two is um, financial discipline, which means that if you get some money in, you're gonna hang on to it and not run out and try to upgrade all your business or give yourself a nice big bonus, because cash flow is is the killer of any business really, especially when you're starting out. Your expenses are going to exceed your income, at least initially. Um, i got to be disciplined enough that if I get the money, I put it in the bank, and I don't spend it as fast as it comes in, because that's that's real trouble in any business. Um, you got to be able to put it away. And, and, like, you know, just to pay withholding taxes or sales tax right. or anything like that, I've seen too many people that started without that discipline who right. one day realized, geez, i got to pay $3,000 in withholding. I don't have it. You know, I spend right. it. Mm-hmm. Big trouble. I mean, you don't want... Especially if you have employees. Exactly. Exactly right. That's that's. I've heard a lot of stories, John, about people getting into trouble with that. You know, they they don't know when they're getting started. They got two guys working for them, and they want to do things right, but that can be a mess. Absolutely, and it's something you don't realize is that if you're the employer, you know you're on the hook for you know. Let's say I'm paying you. $20 $20 an hour, well, your check's not going to be for 20 right? I got I got to withhold federal, I got to withhold right. state, I got to withhold Social Security twice, and I got to withhold Medicare, whatever retirement plan we have. So there's a bunch of your money sitting in my account, basically, mm-hmm. and I got to keep it there and give it to the government because right. if the day comes when it's due and I don't have it, it's a very tough road. I mean, there's penalties, there's interest on the penalties. But, you know, these days there's uh, there's software for that kind of stuff that I'm told, I've never done it, but... I'm told it doesn't take a genius to use Quicken or QuickBooks or so. Nope, it sure doesn't. I, you know, it probably would be hard for me, but everybody else would probably, would probably be. <laughs> no, okay. you'd be surprised how he's it's very, very user friendly. So, I mean, I've been using QuickBooks probably 25 years, and it's yeah. very user friendly. Um, yeah. And they'll do the payroll for you. They'll do the withholding. You don't have to fill out any forms. Mm-hmm. But when the money's due, the money's due, and you you, you need to have it. And ready. you have to have it. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's that's why yeah. financial management is so important. Um, and then third, hard work and discipline. And I think hard work goes is, is as important as any of them except maybe sales. But when you go and start a business with nothing, um, it's going to be a lot of hard work. I mean, it's not going to be easy. It's probably going to be the hardest thing you ever did in your life, but it can also be the most rewarding. 
So, you know, there's a payback there if you mm-hmm. hang around long enough and, and put the sweat equity into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never met anybody who started out and said the first year was really easy. Huh. You know, it, yeah. it, it all fell on my lap because it doesn't. I mean, it's, yeah. you got to know going in that the people who make it five years are the people who just refuse to quit. Um, what? If, if okay. you have plenty of opportunities to, to quit. Okay. Well, uh, we all know that, you know, starting a business that most of them don't, don't go, but you're saying five, try to keep it going for five years as hard as you can. I think so. I mean, a lot of people say if you make it five years, you made it because by this time you've proven your concept. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a, almost a, not a finish line, but it's a, it's a good guidepost of saying I've been around long enough that I've got an established customer base. I'm obviously making a profit. I've got all the little stuff figured out where I don't, you know, I'm not going to get audited and realize I did something completely wrong. You know, that's going to put me out of business or, you know, any unforeseen thing could happen. But five years is a real good uh, sign that you're doing it right. I'd like to know, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on franchising. Do you have thoughts? I sure do. I sure do. Uh, To me, if you're a franchise, you're working for somebody else. Uh, It's really not your business. Um, Instead of doing that, because when I taught, there was a lot of people, part of the class I taught, the other part was cleaning. There was another guy that taught cleaning so we're thinking okay here's these guys that are going to be out in two years or less we're going to teach them how to do commercial cleaning and we're going to teach them some business concepts well they can go out and start a cleaning business because everybody needs to clean it's a huge market you can you can just go down the street and you can probably find places to clean um but there was a i think Janet king had a franchise you could join as a franchise and i had a couple guys considering it and i was like well you've given up the control there you know they're going to do the advertising for you they're going to tell you where to go they're going to set your prices for you. You're going to give them a percentage of your profit. I mean, if I were considering a franchise, what I would do is go work for somebody, maybe go work for a franchise, but somebody else who was a franchise. Then I'd go start my own thing because they, you've given up so much control. that They can sometimes help if you're struggling. But I would much rather run my own show and not have to pay them every month for their concept. I'd rather have my own concept. Is it if, true? If is this just my twisted perception, but... Is it true that there are some franchises along those lines that you mentioned that are more scams than anything else? Absolutely. And, I, you know, there was many that I would have somebody in my class say, hey, could you look into this? Well, you know, I don't go to the website of the franchise. I go to the review website. Let's find some people that paid in all that money and see what they've got to say. And, and you know, there were quite a few where the guy was like, you know, I never got any help. They won't answer my call. You know, I gave him the $5,000. Thing. They sent me a little starter kit, uh, but that's all I've ever seen from them. And, you know, they don't send me any potential customers. Uh, I could have used that money so much better. So be very careful, I think, with franchises, you know, because, yeah, they, once they've got what about, money, it's What about the lower-end food champ franchises, like, say, a Subway or something like that? What would be your thoughts on something like that? I mean, if you want to work for somebody else, you, know, you have a little bit of freedom as a franchisor. I mean, Subway is not going to let you lose money. You don't see too many Subways going out of business. Uh, and I think it's comparatively a reasonable startup. I think it is, too. Uh, you know, I think you can get into a subway for a pretty good limit. I mean, if that's what you want to do, I wouldn't discourage it because, you know, it is your business technically. Um, but I, I've always leaned towards let's just find something that they're not doing well that people want, and let's mm-hmm. do that, you know, and, and let's go for a whole different market here. And and I get to make all the decisions because, you know, they're going to control your what you can charge. 
they're going to give you great vendors. You're going to get, you know, good ingredients at a good price and all that. But uh, it, the, the, I think the true entrepreneur looks at that and says, I think I'll start my own similar sandwich shop. But I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> That's what I say, too. Joe's Burgers, right. man. Instead of there doing, you go. just make it Joe's Burgers and do it yourself. That's what I think. I think so, too, because, I mean, hey, even if it doesn't do well, it's all right. It's your it's your baby. And, right? and, you know, and I know you know this, but it takes some guts to do that kind of shit. You know, it, it takes some oh. guts to say, okay, man, I'm going to start a burger joint, and I dare you to stop, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know what? I would take somebody with that attitude with very little business sense over somebody with a lot of business sense who was afraid to make the move. You know? I because there's a certain entrepreneurial spirit and if you've got it you'll find a way to make it work i mean hey john what did you learn what did you learn about convicts while you were working with them there in the prison i tell you what one thing i learned about the the system in general it heavily discriminates uh towards people of color people of low income and people of low education and once you get involved in that if you come from that background you can just look at the numbers and it's staggering It's it's not even close to fair um, I used to tell my students, you know, unless you're rich, white, and well-educated, don't break the law, you know, because you're not going to get a fair shake. Um, mm-hmm. But what I learned from the men individually was that these were guys that were just like I was when I was their age. And I did the same dumb stuff. I just didn't get caught. Or when I did get caught, uh, the police would, you know, take me to my parents and say, you need to keep it honest. You need to straighten this out. Now, if I were, let's say if I were African-American, and I get caught doing what I was doing, I'm going to juvenile hall, and I'm starting on a career of incarceration at a young age that's going to, you know, continue to be part of my identity, chances are. Um, and then the other thing, the big takeaway for me was I met a lot of guys that were, they, they were done with prison. I mean, they would, I'm not coming back. I'll never do this again. But how do I change my life to where I don't come back? And that's really what the book's about is, we're not giving any resources to the guys that want to make it. You know, some guys were perfectly happy going in and out of prison for the rest of their life. It's what their dad did or the granddad did. Their kids were doing it. And that was their lifestyle. And they were happy. They were okay with it. Um, but there were some guys that wanted no more of this. Well, they're all treated the same. And to me, it was like, why don't we take the guys that are done with this and give them a few tools on the way out so that they got a choice, you know, where maybe they can do something a little better than minimum wage jobs. And, you know, when their kids are hungry and they can't afford to feed them, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, we've okay. pigeonholed them into a corner now. Uh, and to exactly. me, it's, 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 you know, and I'm a very, I'm very much into efficiency. You come from a small business background. you you got to get a lot of bang for your buck. And these guys don't need a lot of help. They just need a little help. They need a little direction, a little confidence, and a little information. And, and they'll, they're ready to go. So for a small investment, you can get a big reward, too. Um, but it was, it was, you know, I, I came out. Completely different than I went in looking at, yeah. you know, how this system People works. have this stereotype of, and, you know, sometimes it's true. You know, sometimes the inmate is like that stereotype. And, and the reason I know is because I spent seven years and 11 months in Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And I can tell you that there are people, like you said, that, uh, that you know, they've got three meals and a place to sleep. And, you know, they're just they're just fine there. And that's where yeah. they that's where they live. I've even had guys tell me, <laughs> John, I had this guy tell me one time, he said, Man, I don't know why they keep letting me out of here. I just turn around and <laughs> right back. It was this old man told me that. 
John, listen, I wish we had some more time. We're going to have to go. I, okay. I definitely want to talk to Tavares, but before we talk about that, hang on for just a second. I want to tell everybody that John McLaughlin's book, uh, Lifeline to a Soul, sounds, I haven't read it, sounds like a pretty good read. It's got some interesting stuff in there, and if you've got it in you to start a business, man, you want to read that book right there. Okay, John, I want to thank you for being here today. I appreciate it, Ronnie. And anybody who wants to go to our website, leave an email address and wants a free book, just let me know. I'm happy to send it. We'll put it's, your uh, we'll put a link to uh, okay. Amazon or you know we'll we'll put all that up on the page. Okay, okay guys, y'all have Thanks. a good day. John, take it easy. Right, Thank well, I appreciate you. It. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on the Journey of Hope.